Couch to Couch, Making Therapy Make Sense with Chuck LeBlanc. This is episode five of season two. And today we have an exciting guest, Robert Fabes, who is a registered psychotherapist and an addictions and trauma counselor, working with people experiencing homelessness at the Ottawa Mission. In both his private practice and his work at the mission, Robert is grounded in meaning exploration and existential theory. He comes to this work after an almost 30-year career as a corporate lawyer. This is not as surprising as it seems, given that Robert had started out as a community mental health worker before becoming a lawyer. Robert's own search for meaning was definitive in this later in life career change. Robert is continually humbled and motivated by his clients, especially by their resiliency. So much so that he has completed his doctoral studies that are focused on the use of client-driven meaning exploration sessions by and for people experiencing homelessness as potentially contributing to their well-being. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chuck. It's good to be here. I'm very excited to have you on the show. I know uh, we talked about this briefly beforehand, but uh, uh, my own background, is, as most of the listeners know, is in philosophy, and a lot of that comes from postmodern thought, existential thought, phenomenological thought, from everybody from Nietzsche to Merleau-Ponty to Deleuze, Foucault, all these beautiful people, Kierkegaard, uh, but also including Frankel, Frankel and Logotherapy. So I know that your background, uh, as far as how you come in to the therapeutic sessions, deals a lot with meaning, meaning-making, Logotherapy, existentialism. And I'm yeah. excited to dive into it and kind of cut that up and get to know a little bit more about uh, your thoughts on all of it. But before I start to, well, start the game here, I wanted yeah. to give you a chance to fill in any blanks that I might have missed in your bio in the introduction, uh, as yeah. well as give you the opportunity to help people find you if you have a website or anything like that. Great. Um, you know, it, the, the, the intro was pretty throw stuff, Chuck. Uh, I think the thing that I want to highlight is um, how important and relevant my own search for meaning um, is in terms of how I practice and, and how I am with clients. Uh, and, and I think it's because, uh, you know, when you refer to Frankel, um, you know, Frankel's position is that the thing that unites us all as human beings is our search for meaning. Mm -hmm. um, and in in embarking on my own search for meaning and landing up in, in as, as practicing as a psychotherapist, um, I, I had an opportunity and I realized that a lot of what I was doing was reconnecting with my own humanity. Mm. Um, and that I think it, it is fundamental to why I practice and, and how I practice. And so, you know, there, there's something very real, very organ organic, very grounded uh, in terms of, of how I approach this. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, we all struggle with making sense or order of our existence. You know, why is it that, that we're here? 
in the mm. first place? How do I get into these situations? What is it that I'm doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and those questions I think are the same for all of us. The the context is going to be different, right? We're all in different situations. We all come from different cultures. We've all had different backgrounds. We we've endured different stressors. But at the end of the day, at the root of some of the struggles we may be having are those questions as to, you know, why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I found, and, and look, right, like I've only been doing this since 2018. So, you know, compared to a lot of other people in the field, right, it's a relatively short period of time. Um, but I think that, you know, my life experiences up to the point where I made the switch um, and my openness to learning from the experience of my clients um, has really driven my, my passion and my commitment to this, um, to this meaning-based approach. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I really enjoy about it and, and what resonates about it with me, Chuck, is the fact that it's, it's dynamic, right? There isn't, there isn't an answer, right? And, and I mean that in the sense that, you know, what's meaningful to you is going to be, is not necessarily going to be meaningful to me. So that's one dimension of it. But the other dimension, Chuck, is that what's meaningful to me today is not necessarily going to be meaningful to me in a month from now, in a year from now. Mm-hmm. And there's something both frightening and exciting about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those aspects of it, um, the reality that it's dynamic, that it can't be settled, um, I think that's really where um, my, my readings on existential psychotherapy come into play, um, particularly, you know, given that I'm a practicing psychotherapist, the work of, of Irving Yelm. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that, that, that sort of fleshes out the how and why of how I got here to this point. It definitely shows the, the influence with Irving Yalom is what I was thinking about yeah. when I was talking earlier with existentialism. I couldn't, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. He's the grist for the mill guy. <laughs> so, so, we yeah, so, so he, often. yeah, well, and, it, and it's because uh, I think, you know, I think what, what, What's so important about Yellen's work is that he he sort of operationalized existential theory, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, uh, you know, he he took all that as you described that rich existential philosophy and said, okay, so how do I use that to help my clients improve their well-being? What is it about that that really needs to be operationalized, right? How do we make this real, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and by talking 
you know, he, he's so big, and it's it, it it's such a, uh, an important part of, of his practice and his theory that we talk about those those deeply frightening existential things like death, mm -hmm. right? He tells you if if you're going to be doing this work, he said, talk about death with your client, talk about the burden of the responsibility you have because you have free will, mm -hmm. right? Bring it into the room, right? And, and use the fact that that's, that's, that's an experience that's common to all of us as human beings. Mm -hmm. Use that, use that to help your clients find a way through. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, to, for them to find their way through, and that then will that then, as you know, ties in um, Carl's Rogers' works mm -hmm. on person-centered therapy. Right? It's you know it's well and good that you and I can can sit here and, and talk about these concepts, and and um, you know we may have some knowledge of those concepts, but at the end of the day, for me anyway, the, the, my whole goal as as a therapist whether it's in my private practice or with my clients at the Ottawa Mission is, right, how do I help them find their way, right? Like, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they have to do the work because it's their life, mm -hmm. right? And, and so I, I find that the, 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 for me anyway, that whole melding of Frankel's work, Yalom's work, and Carl Rogers' work, um, gives me uh, a very human-based approach to the realities of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found the same. I think that's one of the most, uh, for me, one of the most important aspects of, of therapy in general is to always remember that it's like two humans having a conversation. It's two humans exploring a very human ex uh, experience. Yeah. Right? It's not one human standing above you have to be so careful about the power dynamics. You can't you can't be walking into a, a therapeutic room as a therapist and being like, okay, John, this is how you live your life. You're gonna do the following thing and you'll be happy. <laughs> it's like, well, hold yeah. up, <laughs> right? I don't have yeah. to, I don't I can help you navigate the complexities of these, you know. I can share my experiences, I can walk with you through difficult conversations. Yeah. So you we both can experience the miasma of you know grief or the conversation about death. Or all these pieces, but it's always from a human, human to human standpoint, not something yeah. above or outside of it, because that room is its own. Uh, I think the last episode I called it a microcosm. Mm -hmm. it's, it's its own universe where two worlds are colliding. And if you stand above it as a therapist, that is felt. And it's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, there's something very, very beautiful and true and real um, about what you've been saying, Chuck, because, uh, you know, I think so much of the effectiveness of therapy, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this discussion with, with your other guests, right? You know what, at the end of the day, right, it doesn't matter that I'm a meaning-based existential humanist therapist, mm -hmm. right? At the end of the day is what kind of relationship or alliance 
can I build with my client? That's right. And one, I and and check one of the for me anyway. One of the most important uh, determinatives of that is exactly what you highlighted: is that ability to walk alongside my client, mm -hmm. or even half a step behind my client, mm -hmm. right? It, it's it's never right for me to be ahead of my client and reach back to pull them along. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I may think, <laughs> I may think they need to go a certain way. Um, and, but at the end of the day, it has to be their decision, mm -hmm. right? Because it's their life, right? And at the end of the, the at the end of the session, they go back into the world without me, right? Mm -hmm. Without the therapist. And so there's so much more value in having, you know, giving clients the opportunity um, to see different possibilities and to sit with different options and have them come to their own decision and have them feel the effects of that decision, right? Mm -hmm. Whether whether it turned out to be a good decision or a bad decision, what's important is that they were in a relationship with someone, the therapist, who believed them capable of making their own decisions, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think that's a really important part of the of the therapeutic dynamic, right? You 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 know, when we talk about the ethics of psychotherapy. Um, you know, one of the big uh, ethical considerations is respecting the autonomy mm -hmm. of your clients. Um, and, and that's, for me, that's such an important uh, concept and, and an important consideration, right? Is that I have another human being here, right? And we're equals. I'm not, I'm not better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm different, but we're all different. And at the end of the day, how do I help my clients embrace and act on their own autonomy, their own capabilities? Mm -hmm. So if I'm right, if all I'm doing in session is spoon feeding them answers, mm -hmm. um, I, I think I think that's at the end of the day, I think that's compromising. I think it's unethical, right? Mm -hmm. From from my perspective, right? You know, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what to do, right? I'm, I'm really, I'm here to, to listen and, and, and hear and see, right? What, what life is like for you, right? And then share my observations, right? Share my curiosity, right? I, I don't think that word has come up yet uh, as you and I have been talking, but, but that whole notion of being curious about my client's experience and being overt about that curiosity, mm -hmm. right? Oh, you know, uh, you know, you told me, um, you know, that you were feeling like crap all week. And then uh, this morning, you know, you just, you went out for a walk uh, on a trail and you came home and you felt better. Um, 
you know, what was happening to you while you were on the trail? Oh, what was that like for you? Um, oh, what did that remind you of? Um, when have you felt like that before? Um, you know, how are you feeling now as compared to before you went for the walk? What's it like to be able to share that with me here in this room, right? That type of open, genuine curiosity that's focused on my client's experience, um, right? The, the, the goal of that is for them to see, well, first of all, they have another human being who's genuinely interested in their experience. But also what, what I'm hoping for is that in turn, they're going to develop that own curiosity about their own experiences. And so that they can take that, uh, let's call it curiosity processing, mm -hmm. they can take that away from session and do that when they're not in session. Right? Like it's, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's right. Yeah. Curiosity is one of the most important pieces. And from what I've seen, you know, one part we haven't really dove into on the podcast, we've talked a lot about the relationship and how it works. But from what I've seen in, in my thoughts on this is it's all about one of the reasons it's so dangerous to give people like uh, <laughs> advice. This is how you live is because it denies them the uh, the actual experience of being curious about the things going on. Yeah. Right. And I mean, uh, human beings were experiential. We adapt through stress. We adapt through the stories. Right. Mm -hmm. so we search for these meanings. And part of the the job of life to me is the gaining of these experiences to adapt in one way or the other. So one of the things that I, I work with for myself when we think of like human happiness or well-being comes from the capability approach to development by Amartya Sen, mm -hmm. uh, whose concept of happiness is something I, I hold dear, right? Happiness, uh, he pulls it from the root word eudaimonia, right? Which we know is human flourishing. Right. And part of what flourishing is, is the ability to participate in and the pursuit of the things we have reason to value, whatever that is, right? And part of the job for human being is to increase their power of action to pursue these things or to increase their capabilities to actually go for the things that their brain is saying, yes, this is interesting to me, or this is something I want to do, or this is valuable. And so, but to me, a lot of this stuff is experiential. You need to gain experience of that pursuit or gain experience of the things that you enjoy or gain experience of this, that, or the other thing. And in the microcosm of the therapeutic environment, the therapist's job isn't to deny that experience and give you the answer, right, of the math problem. It's to help you experience it, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm being curious about your position, well, then that's another human's perspective on something that you only have one perspective of. So if now we're seeing it in two perspectives, we now have two different experiences of the same event. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the, the other important piece of that, Chuck, is you know, for, for some clients, this may be the, the first time that, that they have the experience of a human being saying to them, your curiosity about your own experience is valid, mm -hmm. right? You, you're, you have the right to be curious about your own experience. You have the right to question your own experience. Mm -hmm. They may never have had that ability mm -hmm. right or, or that opportunity and that becomes 
Um, it's a, it's, you know, it's a very interesting moment in therapy when you see a client realize that they have, that they have this in, in essence power, mm. right. That they have this capability. Um, it, because you can see that, that it's both frightening and hopeful at the same time, mm -hmm. right. That, and, and now we're going back to, to, you know, you know, one of those, those deep existential quandaries, right. It, it's, you know, recognizing that we have the ability to act, which means we also have responsibility in terms of how we act, right? And, and that can be, right, for, for some clients, is it, it's incredibly empowering, but for a number of clients, it's quite frightening, mm -hmm. right, to all of a sudden start understanding that they do have some control over what happens in their life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if it's only at the point, um, and this goes back to Frankel's work, about choosing what our attitude is in a given situation, mm -hmm. right? Even in the direst of situations, as human beings, we always have the choice as to what we're going to think about that situation, right? Mm. And, and that was his, right? That was his, his the, 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 that was the big learning for him from his experiences uh, in the concentration camps, right? Mm -hmm. That it didn't matter the horror um, of what he was seeing and experiencing what could not be taken away from him is how he chose to view it, mm -hmm. right? You know, am I, you know, I have a choice. Uh, am I going to live in hopelessness and despair and give up? Or am I going to remain hopeful, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that is my choice. And that's the, obviously that's the choice he made, um, you know. And it's it's interesting that uh, Frankel's work um, is especially relevant to the clients I work with who are experiencing homelessness and homelessness and, and substance use challenges, right? Um, because sometimes, right. Sometimes, you know, you know, when I'm in the room with uh, one of those clients, um, the only thing that keeps them going is holding on to the fact that they can choose their mm -hmm. attitude to the situation they find themselves in. Right. Yeah, it's such an important point, right? It's, uh, I mean, from Frankel. What's got me thinking about is two existentialists specifically, where that kind of mixes their thoughts, one being Nietzsche, one being Jean-Paul Sartre. You know, one of the Nietzschean points, which I like, is about, you know, Dionysus affirms all. It's kind of like a half joke that he uses just to say that, like, life is what it is. It's exactly what it is. So affirming the good and the bad just means affirming how life unfolds. Mm -hmm. Your job is what comes next. That's your job. And Sartre, which is something that I hold dear, 
his concept of freedom, right? The, the, he calls it the absurdity of freedom because he says, at the end of the day, the human being has is completely free to choose. Mm-hmm. We can't choose what happens to us. Some events are out of our control, but we're completely free to choose how we handle it, what we think about it, what's our next step. Yeah. And both are talking about, well, about, about many things, uh, you know, choosing how life unfolds for us with the choices we make. Right. You know, from Nietzsche, he talks about being, uh, oh, I'm using a little Deleuze here, but he talks about how human beings are basically like desiring machines. We have many desires all in a given time and we're always are, we always will. We're going to want many different things. We're going to be driven to many different things. And part of our job is to choose one while grieving the loss of the other. It's like that. Uh, I think it's Robert Frost that talks about the roads untraveled. That's right. Um, that, that whole notion of, um, life is what it is. I mean, you know, it, it sounds trite sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's also true. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think an important piece of, of the work I do with all my clients is recognition of the fact that, um, that, good things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen. You're not always going to feel happy, right? You're right. Like if, if what you're doing is pursuing happiness uh, in some ways, you're deluding yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it goes beyond just recognizing and acknowledging the fact that human existence uh, is an experience of the whole range of emotions and, and, and good, bad, but it's also embracing those experiences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the work I did um, in, my, in my master's thesis and that I'm continuing to do as I finish up my, my doctoral dissertation, a big piece of it is this concept of resiliency. Right. And, and, you know, we, we think about resiliency, typically about that ability to face and overcome a a certain group of stressors. Mm -hmm. Another, though, important piece of resiliency is our ability to grow stronger Mm -hmm. as a result of having faced those stressors. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I think sometimes that, that, that that piece is downplayed when we're working with clients, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, it, yes, it, it, it's wonderful that, that, um, uh, that our clients are able to face and, and work through adversity, but there's also such a wonderful opportunity to help our clients discover um, you know, how, how maybe their well-being has actually been enhanced mm-hmm. as a result of, of, of what's happened. And, you know, again, right, like there, there's, for me, there's such an interesting interplay between that, that phenomena of resiliency and this whole notion of meaning exploration or meaning discovery. Uh, meaning discovery, I think, it is, is how Frankel talks about it. Um, and I just like that whole concept of exploration, 
right? But there, there's such an interesting inter, interplay between meaning exploration and, and resiliency, right? Because in, um, in exploring the, the full range of the resiliency experience, you do have that opportunity to find maybe meaning that you wouldn't have discovered had you not gone through that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, right, I think, Chuck, that goes back to us as, as therapists being genuinely curious about what's going on with clients. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that curiosity, that genuine curiosity is, is really a holistic view of what's happening with our clients, the dynamics that the clients experience, right? And, and, and it's us being, you know, in some ways brave, mm-hmm. right? To talk about the good that came out of the bad, right? Does that then create room for our clients to be able to start looking at that their experiences. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, if if you know if my therapist can talk about this, about my life, and 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 do it in a way where um, you know I feel held and, and I feel cared for and I don't feel judged, mm-hmm. maybe I can start doing that for myself. Um, yeah, I, you know, and, and, and again, right, it goes back to, I think, you know, I don't know for you, Chuck, but, uh, right, an important part of me being, I guess, the best therapist I believe I could be, or mm-hmm. the most ethical therapist I believe I could be, is that I'm continually doing my own processing, my own work. Mm-hmm. And so the more honest and curious I am about my own experiences, I think it becomes that much easier to do so with my clients. And then I also think that my clients can can feel or sense that I'm coming at it from a position of authenticity, Mm -hmm. right? And and I think, you know, um, uh, you know, before, you know, when you and I had chatted previous to, 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 to recording this podcast, we had talked about the importance of transparency, mm-hmm. right? About what you see is what you get. Um, and, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why um, I can have um, healthy, beneficial therapeutic alliances with my clients is because there. I'm not very different outside of the therapy room than I am when I am, when I'm with my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, clients pick up on that, Mm -hmm. right? They, I I, I think for them to, to be vulnerable, to take risks that they really have to sense that the person across from them session is acting genuinely, mm-hmm. not just being genuine in their concern, but just mm-hmm. genuine in terms of how they're being. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, and th- that that gets back to 
what you were referring to earlier, right? Like this is this is an experience of two human beings coming together, mm-hmm. right? Not an expert and a client, mm-hmm. right? It 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 it's really we and we have to be mindful of this as therapists. We have to be mindful of of making sure that what could be uh, a disruptive a disruptive power dynamic um, doesn't become that. And the way we do that is by accessing our own humanity, mm-hmm. right? By remembering at the end of the day, we're just two human beings who. Um, right, who are struggling with the same issues at the end of the day, they manifest themselves differently. But at the end of the day, right, we're just trying to make sense of our existence. Mm -hmm. Which is a large and very important job, and incredibly complicated. So I know there's a a few things you said, which kind of sparked a lot for me. Uh, just to continue the trail here when it comes to transparency, I mean, that's part of part of the job of being a therapist, in my estimation, is to be, as you said, really in touch with your humanity, which is a big word for saying in touch with your own experiences, <clears throat> not forgetting that you're a human being living a life, encountering many different pieces of that life, those existential concepts, fear of death, dread of rejection, all of these pieces. And recognizing that the other person has every right to make their own choices as well. So one, I mean, I know for myself, one of the things that I'm always, that's always on top of mind when I enter any therapy session, doesn't matter how long I've been with the client, you know, two sessions, one session, two years, is to remember, okay, well, what is, what is my position? What are the power dynamics in my position? Mm-hmm. how do I yep. make sure that this is a human experience and not step in because that draw will always be there, right? The therapist gets frustrated. The therapist gets uh, like angst all up with you as you're trying to, you know, I know there's several times in, in therapy sessions where in the back of my head, I'm like, come on, <laughs> we're almost <laughs> there. Let's do this. Right. And you know, the therapist's heart breaks with you and that's part of being congruent. It's supposed to be that way because you're supposed to have a very human experience within that microcosm because we're less of a guide and more of a companion. I always picture this, uh, as you were talking, I was getting the images of, uh, Dante's divine comedy, which is like one of my favorite pieces of literature, uh, ever. And I was, I always was interested in, uh, Virgil's journey along the way. So for, for, for the listeners who might not have read it, the Divine Comedy is all about uh, Dante waking up halfway through his life and realizing that he's on the precipice of living wrong. He's on the pre- He's lost. He doesn't know what choices to make. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he meets Virgil. And this is Virgil the poet. So he's talking from the Ulysses standpoint. As they walk through hell together and then through paradise... And then Dante makes the journey, uh, sorry, purgatory. And then Dante makes the journey in paradise. But Virgil's job is a companion. He leads Dante through hell. And as you watch the images, as he goes through the turmoil that Dante is going through, he's not ahead of him or pushing him along. He's holding him up as he goes through the turmoil of the nightmares he's seeing as they're unfolding his soul. And then when they reach purgatory, 
Dante's one step ahead. Virgil's trailing along. And then in Paradise, Dante's on his own. And that reminds me a lot of the therapeutic journey because we're here to hold you up through the difficult conversations, the difficult moments. But we're not ahead of you, dragging you by your hand. Like, come on, let's go over here. (laughs) Look at this. Right? We get there when we get there, but we get there together. And then as these skill sets or, or, or as the meaning starts to unfold and sense starts to be made, the client really does lead that charge. Mm. The therapist takes the, the, the step behind. And a lot of that is because of what we said, I think, with, you know, experience. You know, for a lot of, for a lot of people coming in, you know, I, I know I was talking about grief. I talk about grief a lot because of my own therapeutic practice. I mean, uh, as a client. Right. Over the past year, part of the journey for me was that I've, I, I've always had a very difficult time grieving. And so part of my own journey in therapy is that I've come to terms with that. Grief has now taken on a different meaning, and now I can openly grieve with my loved ones instead of like running and hiding. But I remember what that was like to realize that and to practice it, and it all came down to experiencing grief the actual processing of it as my body came to terms with it. And I started to create meaning through the actual experience of it. So for me, and this is a very Merleau-Pontian point, you know, the type of being we are is experiential. We're a being in the world doing things. The environment is shaped because of us and we're shaped by the environment. And it all comes down to how we're engaging in it. So in that microcosm of therapy, through conversation, we offer different ways to encounter and experience these difficult material and watch as the organism itself to go back to Rogers thrives in an environment where they're actually seen and heard and taken seriously. So there they have the opportunity to build whatever skills and processes they need to create this meaning in a way that fits their path in life, where they want to go, their values. It, it, and that's the key, right? It it has to be their path, mm-hmm. right? It has to be their goal. It has to be their values. Um, you know, you, you, you talk about, you know, one of the roles we play as therapists is that, you know, we walk maybe a step or half a step behind our clients and, and we hold them up. Um, and, you know, for me, um, that that's an important part of of the therapeutic dynamic but it's something i'm also very mindful of Hmm. um i'm I'm mindful of you know on those occasions where i am holding up my client as they're you know they're struggling um you know with a certain issue or decision point always mindful of you know after after we've had that experience together of returning to it um, to see how the client can learn from that so that maybe they won't need me to hold them up the mm-hmm. next time. Um, you know I, I, uh, <laughs> um, I with my private practice of clients I, 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 I often joke with them. Um, you know, my goal, my goal for our time together is that at the end of the day, you're going to fire. Right. Um, Because, right. Like, you know, 
you know, I, I want you, I want you to thrive um, without me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I think it, it, for me anyway, it, it's very grounding, very relevant that, that I'm always holding that at the back of my mind. And I think that goes back to my commitment to honoring and promoting the autonomy of my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, and, and again, right, we're, we're getting back to existentialism. At the end of the day, we are all alone, mm-hmm. right? Yes, right? Yes, but, you know, we're, we're, we're in a world with over 7 billion human beings. But at the end of the day, when it comes time to make a decision, right, we are alone. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's our decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, how, how am I able to work with the client in front of me for them to both acknowledge um, uh Acknowledge and accept the, the 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 fearfulness of that situation, but also embrace it mm-hmm. and see it as an opportunity for flourishing and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, we, you know, we, we, you know, Carl, Carl Jung, um, a, a big part of uh, his theory is this notion of we all have a shadow side towards mm-hmm. that part of ourselves that we're we so closely guard because of the shame that would come from us showing it to the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what resonates most for me from, from, from his teachings is the fact that, you know, if, if you spend your whole life trying to deny that part of yourself, you're never going to become fully actualized as, as a human being, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that your, your shadow is part of you, whether you like it or not. So get to know it and make choices about what you want to about. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, right. I, I think that, at a, at, a, at a deeply psychological level, that is a reflection of the world we live in, right? You, you know, we've talked about this. Like, there, there's good stuff and bad stuff that happens in the world, and that is going to keep happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a being in this world. It kind of makes sense that within us, there's good and bad, things we like, things we don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than denying that, um, I believe like the, the move towards health, right? Health, well-being, however you want to call it, is to acknowledge, um, not deny, and then to make choices mm-hmm. about those aspects of ourselves. Um, again, it goes back to, 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 to Frankel and logotherapy. At the end of the day, right, you as a human being always have that capacity for choice mm-hmm. right Sartre said the same thing right so um you know it, it, it's it's not surprising to me that you know that for you chuck for me right th- that that 
that meaning exploration and existentialism are so intrinsically linked, mm-hmm. right? Like at the end of the day, when you get to, hey, what do you actually do with this stuff? How is this stuff relevant to me being in the world? It comes down to acknowledging reality and recognizing that I can then make choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And that was probably one of the best ways to end this conversation. Thank you for summing up literally everything (laughs) beautifully. (laughs) Well, that was great. So before we we close down, uh, especially I I just like to give you the opportunity to help people find you. So if you have a a website or anything like that, you can let them know. Sure. So I I don't have a website. I do have a profile on Psychology Today. Mm -hmm. Just look up my name, Robert Fabes, F-A-B-E-S. I'm the only faves on the site. Um, so that's easy. Um, I'm, I'm based in Ottawa. Uh, so I do in-person or uh, online sessions. Um, and if you want my email address, it's Robert uh, at meaning exploration therapy, all one word, dot C-A. Perfect. Well, all right. So it was great chatting with you. This was fantastic. It was uh, just as enlightening as I thought it would be talking to another existentialist. It was a lot of fun. Um, and and for the listeners, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for paying attention to the, the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, you can always send me a message over my website, Chuck at chuckleblanccounseling.ca. You can also look at couch.to.couch on Instagram. Uh, so feel free to send me an email. Uh, and I know on Psychology Today, there's also contact forms. So you can send Rob an email through email or contact form on Psychology Today. Uh, but I'd love the questions, comments. And, you know, as always, share this podcast with whoever you think would enjoy it. And we'll take it from there. See you next week. <laughs>